Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. I hope you have listened to our past podcast conversations. And if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. Be on the lookout as well for my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, which is being published in September of 2020. I'm really excited to continue our conversation with our guest today. Amy Edmondson is the Novartis Professor of Leadership and Management at the Harvard Business School. She is recognized by the biannual Thinkers 50 Global Ranking of Management Thinkers since 2011 and teaches and writes on leadership, teams, and organizational learning. She is the author of Teaming, How Organizations Learn, Innovate, and Compete in the Knowledge Economy, Teaming to Innovate, and her newest book, The Fearless Organization. Well, most of us think we see reality, right? Right. I, I see it loud and clear, whereas, in fact, we see reality filtered through a set of values, beliefs, backgrounds, expertise, and we assume you see it too. And we fail to realize that we're seeing different reality. Right, right. In your book, The Fearless Organization, which again, I've read and I love, there are a ton of ideas and suggestions and recommendations and analytics, which is one of the (laughs) reasons I'm thrilled that you're on our podcast today about psychological safety and bravery uh, in the workplace. Three that I'd love to just talk about quickly. Yeah, so I love the term powerful questions because it, it I didn't use that term. I used a much simpler term, which is good questions. But powerful <laughs> powerful is exactly right because a good question has real power. It has the power to unlock someone else's thinking. It has the power to allow us to expand and explore and get out of a rut and, you know, see reality differently, for example. So a, a, a powerful question would be one um, that is reasonably focused on some issue that matters, right? So a powerful question wouldn't be, hey, how's it going? Mm-hmm. A powerful question would be, what do you think about this product launch? You know, what are you seeing? What are you feeling? What are you, what are you, what are you excited about? What are you worried about? Um, so it would be reasonably focused on a topical issue at hand that we care about. And powerful questions also have the following attribute. They, they give people room to respond right so it's 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 not a yes no question it's a you know what's on your mind about this issue kind of question so you have a little bit of space uh to free will like you're asking powerful questions uh, on this podcast which i i really appreciate and i think uh, another way to look at powerful questions are that by uh, knowing more, so by asking more and hence knowing more, my likelihood to be braver is increased because now I'm a little bit more comfortable with the topic. I understand where you're coming from a little bit better. And my likelihood of sharing my perspective or opinion, I think, is increased. Would you agree with that? Oh, yes. Let me take it a step further. Um, mm-hmm. Not only is it increased, a powerful question literally flips the psychology of speaking up on its head. Let me be, let me be more specific. So Please, yes. the, you know, the, the, the ordinary psychology of speaking up, and I do mean up, right. I'm particularly interested in hierarchy. So the ordinary psychology of speaking up is as follows. 
I have something. I'm not 100% sure it's a good idea or I'm not 100% sure that it's okay that I have this problem or this question. And let's, so I have a choice, right? I'm going to open my mouth or not. Now, here's the calculus. If I open my mouth, who gains? Well, the collective, right? That they might, what I have to say might, might help us. How confident am I in that gain? Well, not terribly, or it would be easy. Uh, and when will that gain happen? Well, kind of later. Now, if I remain silent, who gains? I do instantly. I stay safe for another minute. Um, how confident am I that my silence won't harm me? A hundred percent. No one ever got fired for silence. And um, you know, when do I get that gain from my silence? Immediately. It's a it's a profound asymmetry. I mean, you could almost. Mm. That's why I'm not surprised by the three and ten number you raised earlier, because the deck is stacked against us speaking up because the rewards are diffuse and distal and the costs are immediate and real, or at least seen to be real. They're not really real necessarily. And so how does a a powerful question flip it? Well, if I say, Ed, what are your thoughts about this issue? You suddenly face a very costly decision if you decide to remain mute right? It's Mm -hmm. awkward. I've asked you a direct question. I've asked it in a way that indicates I really do want to hear. It's irresistible, right? You can't, you can't help but be brave, right? You, you can't help but open your mouth. Well, you can uh, do a couple of things, right? So I've, I've worked with clients who uh, still are not brave because I think the other component of this particular topic, and I'm not intending to go into great detail on it with you, but is agreement, right? So someone could say, Ed, what do you think about it? And if it's hierarchical question, my likelihood is saying, gee, Amy, I think that's a great idea. Uh, may be stronger than if it's coming from a peer or a subordinate. So I think there's- yeah, a- you're, you're absolutely right. So, yeah. so step step one is um, I've got to make it possible for voice. But step two is I've got to figure out what I need to do to make it possible for candor as well, a truthful right. voice. And the you know there's all sorts of good techniques for that, but they're still they're still found in this whole umbrella concept of a powerful question you know, such as boss says, I'm pretty excited about this product launch, but what are we, we might be missing something. And the last thing I want is egg on our face, you know, after it's already gone out. So pause, what do you have? (laughs) What are you seeing? Mm -hmm. What am I Mm -hmm. missing? What are we missing? So I've set the stage such that I've made pretty clear I want your candor, even if it's unpleasant, because it's so much better now behind closed doors than later um, when the market has its hands on it. Right. And so psychological safety is definitely an environment that has to be created. And the way that you just phrased that question is much better than, hey, I'm really excited about this product launch. What do you think? Exactly. Because you're likely to say, oh, me too, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes, boss. Yes, boss. So uh, let's go to the second one. So the after powerful questions, I think another great behavior you talk about is humble listening. And what could you tell us a little bit about that activity or behavior? It's it's funny because the word humble to many people triggers a kind of, oh, false modesty or, you know, something that isn't really true. And I have to pretend I'm humble. Well, what I when I'm talking about humility, I'm talking about the very real condition that all of us must be in 
at any given time as we look forward because nobody has a crystal ball. We don't know what's going to happen. We face varying degrees of risk and uncertainty at any given time or around any given issue. So that reality, and I do mean reality, ought to inspire humility, right? I'm confident, you know, I have some skills, I have some knowledge, I have uh, uh, some things I feel pretty good about knowing. And at the same time, I'm quite humble about what's coming next. So, so humble listening is a stance that says, I'm all ears. It doesn't say I'm going to roll over and play dead. Right? It says, I, I know things, I care about things, and I am just darn curious what you have as well. And it sounds like a great partner to powerful questions, because if you are going to be a person who asks a powerful question, you also have to be a great, a great listener. You right? bet. Because if you ask a great question and it's clear that you're either disinterested or not listening, the likelihood of me investing and in giving you a powerful answer is going to be diminished. Right. And right? of course, our, our beliefs about each other build up over time. And so if you, you know, the, the good news is if you do this well, if you if you're listening intently and with with openness and humility about what comes next, you will dramatically increase the, the the chances that people will keep coming at you with candor. Right. Um, and if you haven't done that historically, don't lose hope. You can always sort of reset. You can be explicit. You can, you can come clean. You can say, I may not, I, I may not have been the best listener in the past, but wow, take a look at this project or this issue or this situation. We're going to need the very best, most creative thoughts you've got. Well, I think if there's any suggestion, and I know we'll have others, but if there's any suggestion people get from this podcast, Amy, is that you can create the future, right? That uh, whatever has existed in the past doesn't dictate where you're going. And you can pause from time to time and say, hey, I want to flex my leadership style a little bit and start behaving in a way that I think would be more effective and start doing it. And, you know, very quickly, people will forget the old you and start existing with the new you. That is so true. And, and, and it's such a powerful opportunity that any one of us can take advantage of and, and all too few people do. I've saved the third favorite topic. So we talked about powerful questions and humble listening. Uh, a topic we could probably talk about for hours, but we won't, is extreme candor. <laughs> so I'd love to hear a little bit and have a couple of questions about uh, being more candid in the workplace. Great. Well, when, when I talk about extreme candor, I, I am not talking about, I hate your sweater. I, I, you know, it's, it's, it does, it's, that's, well, that's why is that what everyone it, thinks? It is? It's, it's irrelevant, right? It doesn't matter. I mean, unless it does, unless it's a, we're a fashion design company, then I probably do need to speak up <laughs> about that sweater, but extreme candor around the work around anything that will affect the mission, the customer, you know, the, the society that we, that we impact with, with what we do. So, um, and, and I think the, the, the way you get that is by continually reminding people of what's at stake. It's because our, our instincts and our socialization are all about both deference in authority and politeness. You know, our, our parents taught us to be polite and, you don't go to someone's house at a dinner party and say, I don't really like this soup, you know, and, and, and that's good, right? We, we, we want, we, we value our parents' uh, lessons in that way. But unfortunately, we then bring those habits into the workplace 
where the soup is the product and, you know, the customer is counting on us to exercise extreme candor around the issues that matter. Amy, when you think about being more candid in the workplace, and of course, we're not talking about, I hate that sweater or, (laughs) you know, you look terrible today. You know, a word I always attach to it is being respectful. So being Mm. respectfully candid. What are, you know, can you provide like two or three tips for people on how to start practicing or being a little bit more candid than they were yesterday? Tip one is it's not personal. And sometimes you have to know that, but you also sometimes have to be explicit about that. But but the most important thing is remind yourself that the idea or concern that you're about to express respectfully, absolutely. I think uh, respect is a crucial word here. Um, it's, it is fundamentally about making the product, the service, the work better, the workplace even better. Um, and, and so, you know, it's, 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 you know, the, 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 the issue is broken. The person isn't. Right. And, and so this isn't it's not about you. It's about the project. And and so, de, you know, depersonalizing and then making clear, be explicit about that depersonalizing is is an important part. Um, respect. I, I sometimes define psychological safety as a blend of trust and respect. Right? I, I kind of know you've got my back and I know you respect me. And vice versa, right? And that's that's the kind of interpersonal climate that we need to do challenging work. And fundamentally, yes, to be brave, to to um, you know, to be to be willing to do things that aren't easy, that don't come naturally. Right, right. Uh, it doesn't come naturally, right? I mean, that's one of the fascinating aspects about candor is that uh, in grade school, in high school, in college. Uh, you know, we're not talk. We're not talked about or taught how to be more candid and respectful with others. It's almost sometimes feels the opposite, mm. and that speaking up or you know saying something that's candid may not be the right idea, et cetera. So it's a it's a fascinating quandary in respect to how we're not taught how to be more honest or respectful in the workplace. Yeah, in, in the classroom, in the you know, in middle school and high school, even the oftentimes the message is clear, get the right answer. And if you don't have the right answer, it's much better to hold back than take a guess and look foolish or, you know, get downgraded for, by, by the teacher. So it's, we're in, in many ways, we're, we're, we internalize exactly the wrong reflex. Right, right. So as we're closing off, Amy, I'd love to hear if you could share with our listeners a couple of ideas on how they can create more psychological safety in the workplace. So if you're not the boss, but you're a team member, you know, what's one or two things that you could do to enhance the level or even create the level of psychological safety that your team needs in order to be more effective? You know, even if you're not the boss, you have power, meaning you have the power to influence the workplace in a way that makes it better for others and of course for yourself in return. So how do you do that? I think every day that you show up fundamentally curious about and respectful of what others bring is a day that you're showing up and and you're going to make the workplace a little bit better. How do you operationalize that? Well, that attitude, yes, plus every time you ask a colleague a powerful question, 
you're giving that colleague a tiny little platform in which to express themselves. Right? So ask a lot of powerful questions. Every time you show up and show appreciation by listening and, and responding thoughtfully to what others are saying, you are making their lives and their work and your workplace a, a little bit better and, yes, a little bit more psychologically safe as well. Well, great. So for our listeners, I think those are two great tips in which you can create more psychological safety at work, even if you're not the boss. One is to ask powerful questions and give the spotlight to your colleagues who now have an opportunity to talk a little bit about more about what it is that they're saying or thinking and listening really respectfully and even then doing some follow-up powerful questions to show that you were listening and want to go even deeper with them. So, Amy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. Are there ways that folks can get in touch with you if they'd like to talk to you a little bit more about your work or your uh, your books? Sure. And I, I the books, of course, are easy to find on, on online, um, on, on Amazon and other places. And you can go to the hbs.edu, www.hbs.edu. That's Harvard Business School where I work. You can go to that website and go to my faculty page and find a list of things that I've that I've written, um, and certainly uh, feel free to reach out to me as well through that same page. Terrific. Well, Amy, thanks again for joining us. You're welcome. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week, and we hope you join us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also welcome you to subscribe to our podcast at bebraveatwork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on CastBox, Overcast, Apple, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google, Spotify, Pandora. We are everywhere. Do you have something to say yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.